invite you now to join our conversation, an instrument of healing as we share how each of us can grow through times of illness, grief, and loss. Our wish is through these words you will discover a healing community that promotes insight, reignites hope, and nurtures peace. Welcome. some days finding something to be grateful for can seem impossible. So I start small, really small. Maybe it's even being grateful for the blade of green grass in front of my face as I lay in the mud and find gratitude. Search for it. It's always there, somewhere, and it will bring small amounts of joy back into the darkest of places. Gratitude helps me to regain my balance. Beautiful. That's a passage written by someone very close to Conversations with Kelly and is included in A Comforted Heart. Her name is Judy. We love Judy. And she's got a great perspective on gratitude. Finding even the smallest blade of grass is something to be grateful for. Today's topic, as you can tell, is all about gratitude. Welcome to Conversations with Kelly. I'm Jeffrey Cloninger your producer for the podcast, and I'm joined by Kelly Grosslogs, as usual. Hello. Good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you're listening to this. Good day. Good day. Absolutely. And thank you, Jeffrey, for highlighting that amazing passage. I think, um, as you said, Judy is a close friend of ours at Conversations with Kelly, and for those of you that have been to the Minneapolis talks, you've learned much from her on stage, and I'm so grateful she gave us the permission to use her wisdom to continue to teach people in this world. So thank you, Judy. And I think gratitude is something that it sounds like a lighthearted topic, and I wanted to talk about it today because it is something just, you know, not unlike hope. I think people can really struggle with it, and it's it's something that I've seen heal moments for people, and I think we have to get to the point of healing moments rather than trying to heal the entire day or the entire year or the entire experience, that ever, whatever we're having, whether it's an illness or a loss or both. And so gratitude for me is really about being in a moment. And so often when I have worked with people who have suffered quite a loss or have suffered throughout their body, physical pain, loss of function, possibly even getting towards the end of their life. I find people often focusing more on what isn't happening versus what is happening. So for instance, people that are living with a chronic illness are very acutely aware of continued losses that they may feel, um, whether that's metastatic cancer, whether that is something neurology, uh, neurologically inflicting on their body, whether it's diabetes, whatever it may be, there are certain people that I think are, are quite focused on what isn't going well versus what is going well. Now, what I want to say about that, that's twofold. I think it's important to focus, not focus, I think it's important to, to acknowledge what you feel you have lost throughout this disease or this this grief experience. There's a reality to it. There's a complete reality to it, and I am very much about naming those things for people. I think where 
where gratitude gets lost is when people just live in that moment consistently and focus only on what's been lost versus what they what what remains and you know I, I see many people throughout my day that come in and it's very obvious to me that they've changed since even two or three weeks ago since I've seen them, whether it be they've lost weight, they've lost stamina, they've lost spirit, whatever it may be. And yet I am profoundly affected when the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I'm really grateful that dot, 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 whatever it is. So yesterday, I'm really grateful that Yesterday I was able to walk around the block or yesterday I was able to spend time with my grandchild or whatever it may be. And I'm always profoundly affected. And when I hear that by people, because I, even myself, start to go down that road of, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm noticing all the things that have been lost since I last saw them. And so when people can start off with stating what they still have or what they still enjoy, versus starting off the conversation of what's been lost, I really see it making a huge difference in just people's overall spirit. What are some ways we can do that? I know that I'm programmed to see the differences in my life, and those are the things that stand out. And certainly, I would imagine folks experiencing illness, you're going in, you're getting these results, you're seeing the differences in your in the normal way that you're used to your body performing. So it's really easy to get caught up in those those things. How do you find the energy or sh make that shift to paying attention to what actually has been there all along or may, you know, be the good? Mm -hmm. Excellent question. I also think that we can apply this to the grief and loss. You know, it's so interesting when people have a death in their life. I hear often, so if, if somebody loses a partner or a spouse and they go out for dinner, everybody in the restaurant's coupled, according to them. That's that's the, the lens of grief. If people cannot get pregnant, everybody is pregnant. Everybody has children, according to the lens of grief. And I, so I think one of the ways that I want to work with, that I do work with people, and I think it's a good exercise, is you get a piece of paper, you take a pen, and you you make a column of what you've lost and what remains. And these are really important distinctions to make. In other words, there's opportunities that come with grief and with illness. And so... So you can force yourself to just really make a list. Make a list. And if it's hard to come up with the things that still remain, it's okay. But I really... That's where I want people to put their energy is... Because we can really come up... When we're in grief and we're in despair, every one of us could fill the column of what, what has been lost. That is a human nature. This isn't about shaming anybody. This is just absolutely what it is. But the podcast and what we've been asked to do is to help people come up with ways to shift from that mindset to even a moment of gratitude. So you make a list and you talk about the people who have left, the people who have abandoned you, the people who you feel not as connected to. And then on the other side, you talk about the people who remain, the people who still are here, maybe the people that have showed up, that are new, that are a surprise. Also about people that have hurt you along the way. So maybe they remain in your life, but they continue to hurt you. Then we want to talk about, the, on the other side, the people we continue to trust, the people that are consistent with us and that not only love us, but, you know, there's a fair amount of mistrust and trust that goes on in relationships and people show up and 
they are showing you who they are, and and um, we have to take their their word for it. And Another... hearing you really focus here, really in on the relationships piece. Mm -hmm. Well, it's huge. It's huge because I think. You know, it's when people are in despair or depression, they're they're very self-focused. It's the world is not really existing around people. It's it's part of it's it is part of actually experiencing depression. And I think it's important to remind ourselves and to get back connected to that we are not alone. And isolation and gratitude have a hard time living together. It, it's a it's a very awkward relationship. And so in the moment if you can be grateful and understand that you are not alone, then it it tends to soften that loneliness a little bit. So this isn't about being alone in your room, per se, or alone in your home. It's, it's about being lonely in a world where actually you do have several people that can fill you up. And so it's important to, to acknowledge that. I love that image or that descriptor of isolation and gratitude not working very well together. And when you think about it, even if you're not relating, if you're not relating to that blade of grass, you're not paying attention to that blade of grass, right? That's right. So you can start with just a thing, like a blade of grass, rather than the big relationship with your partner That's right. or your family member. That's right. That's a beautiful way to sum it up. And I want to thank Judy because before... I read her analogy, I was always looking for the entire lawn or the entire yard of grass. I never really appreciated the individual pieces of it. It can be very lonely to sit in a large field. You know, you feel quite small when you're in a large yard, but when you're, as Judy says, when you're laying there looking at one blade of grass, you can feel quite connected and, and larger than life. And I just, I, I just absolutely love her analogy of that, how beautiful that one blade is and how it moves in the wind. And I mean, how many of us have really ever taken the time to look at one blade of grass? And I, I do hope everybody after they hear this will go out and find some grass and, and just sit and lay with it and look at the blade and watch how it moves. And if it's sunny, watch how it, the light hits it. And I just think that's gratitude, that we can see it and experience it, and gratitude for, again, this amazing teaching. I was working once with a, a woman who was very profound in my teaching of um, trying to live in the now, which I think gratitude also helps us do. And, you know, many have heard me say this, and it's a constant reminder about if we're not living in the now, we run the risk of either being too anxious or too depressed. Because the past, totally right, and the past is is drudging up all these things that we regret and things that went wrong. And yes, we have beautiful memories about the past too. But typically, when people are going back there, they can feel depressed. And then, of course, living too far in the future can create anxiety. So this this beautiful woman that I was working with, I think she was in her late sixties, and. This was a long time ago, so um, I don't have her exact age in memory, but I remember she was in her late 60s, and I asked her, I said, you know, you're, you're, so, you're so wise. You just, everything you say that comes out of your mouth, it's like a dissertation for a PhD program. And I said, you know, if you can make it in more, um, if, you can, if you can kind of sum up what you've learned throughout this life and then what is particularly important as you're dying, 
what would it be? What could I teach people from you? Because you are so wise. And she said to me that um, don't wait until the end to appreciate the now. So don't wait until you're at the end of your life or don't wait until the end of the relationship or don't wait until the end of your career or don't wait until the end to appreciate what you have right now. So even for people that are feeling like they're walking constantly uphill, constantly, with many potholes and detours and whatever it may be, they're walking. And that's the now. Because someday they won't be able to walk. And I think that is one of the things she taught me and it was so it was so amazing that she could all of her wisdom really every time i would meet with her it was like walking away with a whole book but when she could sum up that sentence for me it it really made a lot of sense and she said don't be uh, don't be fooled this isn't something i necessarily did well in life but mm. i'm doing it very well in dying this is what you mean by it's really hard to be Full of gratitude all the time. Exactly. And thank you for bringing that up because we are not always able to be grateful. But every day we should have moments. And, you know, I like writing things down personally because I think it makes us accountable. It makes us see it. It's a good brain connection. And one of the exercises I'll do with people is have them write both with their left and their right hand because the non-dominant hand is going to is going to tap into that more dominant part of the brain. And so the right hand taps into the left and the left hand taps in the right. And I think we access different things from our hemispheres, which are either more emotional versus the factional, rational, you know, all these things that we're trying to, we're trying to live in that brain most of our life because it's uncomfortable to live in the other one. And so, um, <laughs> When you go to a place of gratitude, just just try it. This does not mean that people, again, back to the whole both and, this doesn't mean that people can't be grateful in their grief and still have pain and sadness. It's just, it's moments we're trying to get at here. It's trying to alleviate pain and suffering moments at a time. Right. I've tried the exercise of writing with both the left and the right hand. What would you think of I that? I was extremely surprised at the ideas that came out. I'm right-handed, so I, of course, started with that, and it was everything that I had been thinking came out on paper. And then I switched to the left hand, and it was a different challenge for, for me physically, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised at what I saw come out. It was completely in some ways unrelated and yet some ways so deep and it, it there was no way to express that but through that that non-dominant hand that part of me that doesn't generally find expression interesting so can you talk a little bit about what it felt like in the body or emotional versus rational analytical? it was definitely emotional when i switched hand. to the left hand and i, I as I said, I looked down at, at what came out and it was, it was childlike, of course, because it looked funky <laughs> on the page, right? Mm -hmm. And then I started reading what, what I wrote. And like I said, it had nothing to do with what my, my right hand wrote. Nothing, if you looked at the two. Yet it had everything to do with what I was feeling at the time. Wow. So you would, 
having personally done it, you'd recommend it. Absolutely, I'd recommend it. it. I mean, it's it's all of this is is stretching our viewpoint, you know, and looking beyond what we normally see. That's right. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good point, Jeffrey. I think too, just to as we're as we're wrapping up, I I want to encourage people to do a beautiful meditation that you'll also find in in a comforted heart, but it to do a bedtime meditation. So much of what we're talking about in Conversations with Kelly podcasts are about practices. And so gratitude certainly is a practice. Hope is certainly a practice. Forgiveness is a practice. You know, these are these are things that if it's not one and done and it's not, I have people say, yeah, you know, I gave them quote unquote homework from session and they leave and they tried it and they came back. And of course, all, all of us are very much about perfectionism or many of us, I should say. And so they'd come back and yeah, I didn't really feel anything different. So I didn't do it anymore. Right. And we think that we've turned the hope switch on or the gratitude switch on and great. It's powered up and now we're good. Exactly. And we don't feel any difference. So this is bogus. Right. You know? Yep. But like you said, with a practice, you have to feed it. You have to give it energy. You have to give it energy and you likely need to try it for 21 days because technically to change a behavior, it takes about 21 days with consistent. Now that doesn't mean you do it on day one and day 21. You know, I had somebody, a little trickster, try that with me. (laughs) And so... um, How did that work? Yeah, right. Exactly. And said, well, I did it for 21 days. Um, Or no, I I love the, when I thought about it for 21 days, I said, okay, that's a start. Now we got to dedicate the next 21 days. So people are actually looking at 42 days if they don't try it the first time, Um, which is kind of a little joke. But what you do is you have a pad of paper and a pen next to your bed and you write, if you can start with three, that's great. If you can only do one, that's fine. And you write down something from the day that you were grateful for. And then you say, thank you, thank you, thank you, three times. You do this for 21 days. It is a beautiful way to go to bed. It is also a beautiful way to wake up. So if we want to write something, if we want to write a hope and we want to create a manifestation in the morning, we can write one or two things that we hope for. And then we already thank it because we're already knowing and believing that at some level it's going to happen. So you know, um, for people in grief today, I will feel less lonely or today I will feel less isolated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And throughout your day, you can continue to just say the words, thank you, but to go to bed and having expressed gratitude, there is actually healing that can happen, um, throughout the sleep and the REM state and all of that. So I, I truly, I would recommend people to try this. And this is not to um, at all diminish that I know people listening have very heavy hearts and very real things that they are facing. And I, I myself in life have had the same and I know Jeffrey, you have too. So we, we don't, um, we don't come on the air and try to record things that are Pollyanna type of things. I mean, I'm or a quick fix or a quick fix at all, but I do believe these things heal. And I do, I stand very strongly behind the things that, that we talk about because I've seen and I've experienced them firsthand. You know, we can start very small. I'm thankful today that, and I don't know that this is so small because people that don't have 
what we think, what we're thinking for would see it as huge. But I'm thankful for the bed I slept in. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Because there are people out there that aren't, that don't have beds. And so, and so to me that seems simplistic and yet then I know the other side of it. Start there. Start with, I'm, I'm grateful for the cup of tea I drank this morning. I'm grateful for the, and then at night, it's so natural for humans to go to what went wrong or what we did wrong for the day or what we didn't do. Let's start with what we did do that made us feel good. And maybe it was you opened the door for an elderly person. And thank you that I had the strength to actually physically open a door. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then after 21 days, and I'd love, I'd love listeners to write in to us and let us know after the 21 days, what they, what they noticed. Um, if you truly do this practice, there's no way of not, of not changing and not feeling grateful. So I want to thank you for being the producer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being the producer of <laughs> well, this thank you, wonderful, Kelly. Um, amazing time that we had together. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Judy and to all the people I've worked with over the years who have, have really taught me. And, and truly to my friends and family who teach me every day that I have more um, than I lack. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And finally, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you, absolutely. I mean, it is, it's just such a privilege. You know, it would be a real fun thing to have everybody sitting in the studio with us, right? Um, Absolutely. But by when you write in and you comment and send us beautiful little notes, we know that we, we know that we're connected to you. So I love that. But please, please send us a note. Let us know how your 21 days of this gratitude exercise went. And don't forget to thank yourself and don't forget to thank your own body because you are working really hard. Yeah, you are. And so Absolutely. are you. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, be well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this CWK podcast. It's our hope that these words bring comfort, healing, and insight to your life, wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing. Please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow and like Conversations with Kelly on Facebook. One quick note, we've done our best to share some ideas, tips, and techniques to help guide you. This podcast's content is not intended to be a substitute for or constitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to seek professional medical advice if needed. Thank you.